Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Welcome to the Metron Live podcast, coming to you from Metron. Metron people, would you please give the podcast people a big welcome? I like that. It's 11-11, exactly. It's where we're starting. The, the, the magic hour. Uh, <laughs> um, here's my title this month. and Let me go ahead and give you the title, and I'm going to explain to you where I'm going with this, because I think this is important, and I do believe it's the word of the Lord for this month. My title is uh, Things to Come, Predicting the Future by Creating It. Um, I want to say some things about... Um, well, I don't know how many of you came out of a background where um, there was a lot of emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit. I, I came from classic Pentecostalism and then the charismatic movement. Charismatics were actually, actually added more teaching about the gifts than the in the Pentecostal church. All, all we cared is that women didn't wear makeup and you spoke in tongues. I mean, it was like that was pretty much. And don't go to movies. I was thinking about it last night because we were watching on TCM. They were playing Don Knotts movies, and so we ended up watching. We ended up watching um, the Ghost of Mr. Chicken and the Love God, which wasn't good. It, it was kind. Of, it was a little risque. It was made in 1969, and and it didn't. It, it cost him. His his audience were like, "We don't like you doing stuff like that." But um, uh, I was telling uh, Ken, I'm sort of reliving it, that when the, his, his movie, uh, The Incredible Miss, Mr. Limpet, came out, you know, where I was raised, we weren't allowed to go to movies. You, you know, my parents would go out of town and we'd sneak to one, but it's like if you were, if you were in the town where Dad's church was, it was like, oh, hell no, there's no, I mean, that was like, everybody thought, you know, demons hung out in the theater and. Um, so our entire third grade class went to see the incredible Mr. Limpet for a field trip. And I was, this is the one time my parents showed me mercy on this because I said, I know you're going to say no, but you have to let me go to this. I mean, I won't tell anybody that I went to see Don Knotts become a fish. (laughs) You know, I I know that will tick sister so-and-so off, but, uh, I'm just like, I'm not saying I'm going to run away from home, but I swear to God, if y'all don't let me go see this movie, if I'm the only one in my class that doesn't get to go to this movie because I have to go, no, because Jesus doesn't want me to go to the movies. And somehow the planets lined up and they, they said okay, like without a, without a fight, and they didn't take it back. I was like, really? I can go? And I remember his first, the, the one and only time I'd ever been in that theater in that town where Dad's church was. And the whole time I was like, ah, like, oh, Baptists are so lucky. Baptists get to go to movies. But, um, but then when the charismatic renewal came, on, came around, like in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a lot of emphasis on the nine gifts of the Spirit mentioned in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And so uh, I was introduced to a lot of... Uh, Prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, gifts of healing, and 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 I still embrace all of that. Some of my definitions of it are a little different. Um, 
I was just telling some people before we started today that I didn't share this one. I, I share most of the positive messages that come in, but uh, some woman messaged me. I don't even think we're Facebook friends. I think we're, we have a couple of mutual friends. And she messaged me last night, and she said, I've never watched you before. I don't know anything about you, but I came across your 11-11 this past Friday night. And she said, I don't think it would be overstating to say it saved my life. And she quoted big chunks of things that I had said. She, I mean, she really paid attention and took notes on it. And she said, I just, I've just got to say thank you. I don't know what I would have done if I, if I hadn't. She said, it was like you were reading my mail. And uh, I thought, well, that's, that's the gifts of the Spirit. That's the word of knowledge. That's the word of wisdom. Um, and so I still believe in all of that. I still believe in prophecy. I also think that prophecy, well, I don't just think it, you know, the scriptures say that prophecy has to be judged. And um, technically, a, a lot of people think of prophecy as always having the dimension of foretelling in it, uh, like, like a, a palm reader giving you a, a reading. And that's not necessarily what prophecy is. The, the actual definition of prophecy from 1 Corinthians is it's an utterance that is to, um, uh, was it edify? There's three words there. What are they? Um, exhort, edify, and something else. Comfort. And um, so a prophecy sometimes can be something as simple as uh, this thing you're going through is going to work out okay. It may, it, may be, it, it may be a word that edifies or builds you up or comforts you. But sometimes there is some foretelling in it. Um, now, here's my issue with forthtelling, and the reason I don't, I mean, you know, we had, over the years, we had Ken, Kim Clement came and hit some, a lot of his, to Church in the Now, a lot of his ministry was about forthtelling. Back in the day, Katy Perry's parents, uh, um, Keith and Mary Hudson, uh, very much into giving people tongues and interpretation and prophecy of foretelling. And it's interesting now when I watch Katie on American Idol, because she's one of the judges, the way she um, encourages the kids that are auditioning, I'm like, you so grew up around prophecy because you sound, you sound so much like your parents. You know, because she'll say things like, this is your time or in your, your season. I'm like, you're prophesying. And, um, and then somebody else... I, I won't say his name because he's super closeted about a lot of stuff. But anyway, he's very well known for prophecy. And he said, he said, you know, when I was in Las Vegas, I went to see this um, um, Ed James, somebody. He's the, one of these guys that says he, he talks to people who have passed on. Uh, James Edwards or so, something like that. And he said what? really impressed me is he said the utterances he would give to people sounded so much like what I do in prophecy. I said, well, because it, it kind of is the same thing. Um, I mean, if you were spiritually inclined, whatever uh, stream you flow in, you would, you would still have that spiritual inclination. Like people who get into witchcraft and divination and that sort of thing, if they were in church world, they'd probably be very, very vocal in the gifts of the Spirit. They're just, they're just intuitive, empathetic. There's certain things, if you're spiritually sensitive, there's just certain things you pick up that you don't even realize are prophetic. I, I used to, um, 
a lot of times in my counseling, not that I uh, was impatient with people, but I could tell where they were going with something, and I would say, aren't you trying to tell me blah, 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 and they'd be like, oh, my God, how did you know that? And I thought, well, I, I thought you knew I knew that. And they're like, nobody knows that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot I'm prophetic. I forgot I know stuff. I'm just assuming everybody else knows. I guess they didn't. Here's my point with this. My issue with too much forthtelling of prophesying this is going to happen in the future is it sometimes creates the illusion that destiny is locked in and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, it's just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And if a prophet or a seer or a sage gives you a little sneak preview, you just need to buckle your seatbelt and get prepared for it because that's what's going to happen. It's inevitable. And I don't necessarily believe that. I think prophecy is supposed to speak to your potential. That, you know, if you do this, this, and this, this will happen. Um, I don't know if this is still a thing because I haven't watched Christian TV in so long, but a few years ago, there was a big fad among evangelicals and even some charismatics about this thing called the Bible Code. I don't know if you ever knew about this, but it's it's this this guy wrote this book that in the original languages there are things that foretell everything like Kennedy's assassination and Watergate and all kind of stuff. And my problem with that is I think, well, what would happen if you knew something was going to happen and you prayed and you changed it? Do the word in the text do they change because I'm willing to believe it I mean I've you know I've read the prophecies of Nostradamus and uh, I was even listening to uh, a podcast this week and they were talking about the very well-known people who believe that the world was going to end in 2012 because of the I don't know if y'all remember this but the Mayan calendar does this sound like I'm talking crazy today I know I'm saying um, y'all got to be really ethereal to go with me on this this month um, uh, as, as Leona used to say, we're grown folks. She said, we don't come here for kindergarten stuff. She said, you got to talk to us like we're grown folks. So, Miss Leona, I'm still talking to grown folks. I always believe she's here because, you know, that was one of the, the last things she said to me. She said, whether I'm here or not, I'm still going to be at Metron. I'm still going to be following you. So I just assume, you know, we should always save a seat for Leona because she said she was going to be here. So I'm like, all right. Um, but, um, um, you know, my issue with that is it, it creates the illusion that, oh, back to the Mayans. The Mayan calendar ended in 2012. So people, for years, people said the world's going to end in 2012. Well, it's 2023. I don't know if you grew up in apocalyptic surroundings. I did. You know, we was, it was always the end times, the last days. I mean, we used to say things like, if, the, if Jesus tarries, I'll go to the store tomorrow, you know. And it, it, you just live on the edge because you're like, it's all going to be over. And I think somehow I've made it to nearly 66. I mean, I, you know, I was convinced when I was a kid I was going to never live past 30 because all the prophecy preachers that came through said, Jesus is definitely coming back in 1988. And I remember counting it up. I'm like, all right, I'm, I have 30 years. Hey, come in. So, um, I, I don't rule out forthtelling. 
I think, because I've had people forth tell things to me. You know what I mean when I say forth telling. That's specifically the prophecy that predicts the future. Um, I've had things like that happen to me, and sometimes they make you very hopeful. You know, you just think, I don't know how it's going to happen, but somebody confirmed to me that this thing was going to happen. I just think, like with everything, you have to find the symmetry and the balance in it. Because I think there are something, and I'm, I'm going to end, end today with the story of um, Isaiah and Hezekiah. Uh, some of you are familiar with it, but Isaiah, you know, he was like, you know, the, uh, the Old Testament prophet of prophets. I mean, he was, when Isaiah said something, that was, he was the, the Rolls Royce of Old Testament prophets. And, you know, he goes to, Hezekiah and he says God says you're going to die and and usually when those prophets will say God says you're going to die you need to plan your funeral so he says God says you're going to die bye and uh, and walks out and Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and prays says I don't want to die and before Isaiah can get out of the building God says go tell him I'm going to give him 15 more years so he turns around see I'm thinking well if if we could get that much, if, we, if you could get me in 15 more years with one prayer, let me go again. You know, Isaiah leaves again, turning my face to the wall one more time. I always think you, people stop too soon. Like, you know, with the, God, you know, in the Genesis account, God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, would you save it for 50? And God's like, yeah. He said, would you save it for 40? God's like, sure. What about 30? Yeah. How about 20? Gotcha. What about 10? Okay, and he stopped there. I'm like, Abraham, why didn't you just say, would you just save it for me? I mean, everything you asked God for, he was like, sure, why not? It just, I always think sometimes people don't feel worthy to ask for more, and you don't get more because you don't ask for more. Now, I'm going to be repeating that story in a little bit, but just bear with me, because I do believe in forthtelling. But I also believe, and this is, what I'm, this is the essence of what I want to talk about this morning, is finding that sweet spot between knowing that there are certain things out there in your future that are going to happen that you can look forward to, but also knowing that you have agency over those things and that you are predicting the future because you're creating it, all right? Now, having said that, let me show you the first scripture. This is John chapter 16, verse 12 and 13 in the message. And this is when Jesus, this is his last sort of conversation with his disciples. And he's talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me say this. Um, I was raised with a strong um, Trinitarian theology. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. I mean, that was that Augustine theology is it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is the ultimate boys club. You know, it's like (laughs) there's no female in that equation at all, like really. Um, uh, Now, I don't necessarily, what I believe is, when the, when the New Testament talks about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I think there are three perceptions of the same thing. So I guess you could call me oneness now because I, I'm not, I don't really think of myself as Trinitarian. I think it's all, it's all God. 
And when Jesus says, I must go away so that he may come, what he's really saying is, my physical manifestation is going to be removed and I'll be back as, it's still me. The Holy Spirit is me. See, that, that's why I don't think of the second coming of Christ as, a, as an event, because I think, well, if there was, it already happened. When Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'll be back. And he was. Ten days later on the day of Pentecost, he was the Holy Spirit. And now we are the second coming of Christ. And like I always tell my mom if she's watching today, because, you know, she's very event-based. And I said, look, I promise you, if there is an event and we're flying away somewhere, I promise I'm flying with you and I'll, I'll apologize. At the, last, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, I'll say, can I have a moment, please? Clink, 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 clink. I would just like to say, I was sure this was not going to happen, but apparently it did, so that's on me. Bad, you know, bad bishop. But uh, thanks for letting me show up at your party anyway, because I love you guys. Jesus, you know, Jesus, I got you. Uh, I just didn't think this was going to happen. I, I'm, I misread this whole thing. I thought, you know, when you said it's necessary that I must go away, so that he can come. I, I just took you way too seriously. I guess I should have been more. Okay, now I'm being sarcastic, which I should. Which is not advisable at the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> so when Jesus says he's coming, he's really saying I'm coming. I'm just coming in a different incarnation. It's like me saying Leona's not here, but Leona's here. Do you know what I mean? It's like, of course we miss her physical manifestation, but she has not ceased to exist, okay? So this is what he says. He says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. Right there is the reason why you should not believe that the Bible is the definitive definition of the Word of God. If it's all contained in those 66 books, then why in the world did Jesus say, I have many more things to tell you, but you can't handle them now? If, if it was all going to be written down in this composition we call the Bible, then Jesus would have said, eventually you'll all have this in a book that y'all can argue about. <laughs> and, and argue on, there'll be this thing in the future called the internet, and y'all can go on and argue about these things all. He didn't say that. He says, this, it's, it's a preceding word. I have many more things to tell you, but you're not there yet. But when the friend comes, some of the, de some of the translations say comforter. It comes from the uh, Greek word parakletos. Paraklete means friend, comforter, like all these definitions of Holy Spirit. But when the friend comes, the spirit of the truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into uh, the Bible. And no? Oh, were y'all reading? He says... He will guide you into all the truth there is. I mean, every time, some of y'all just went to the beach. Every time you walk out on the beach, something should speak to you. Every time you look at a sunset, something should speak to you. David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. When people say, God never speaks to me, I think, I don't think you're listening. Because, I mean, God's just speaking... I, sometimes I can't, it's like a stream of consciousness. It's like everything is 
speaking to me. Every, I notice every little miracle. Uh, and I'm telling you, like I told you when I taught on miracles, the more you see miracles, the more you see miracles. If you don't see them, you don't see them. You understand what I'm saying? If you think, well, it's never happening to me, that's because you never think it's happening to you. Um, he'll lead you into all the truth there is. He will draw attention to himself. In other words, there are some things that are revealed to you by what we call the Holy Spirit, and you don't even realize the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's not saying, that was me, you better recognize. No, it feels like your own thoughts and consciousness. And the more mature you become spiritually, the more you'll learn to trust that. It never occurs to me to think, I don't know, was that God or was that me? I, I, I haven't thought, I haven't, that thought has not crossed my mind in years. It show hadn't crossed my mind, was that the devil? Because people used to say it. I can't tell, is it God or me or the devil? I'm like, really? You can't tell? I mean, I have, there are people in my life, if, even if I don't have, of course, now you have um, caller ID. But before caller ID, there are people in my life that all, all they have to say is one syllable. Hey, and I immediately know who they are because I'm so tuned into their voice. I mean, if something was wrong with Ken's phone and my number didn't show up and I called him and I said, hey, he would know. You better know. He would know immediately that's me. He would know it in one syllable because he's tuned into my voice. If somebody says, I can't tell it's God or me or the devil, I think you, you need to go somewhere and, and get with the Lord because you can't. Really? You can't distinguish those voices? Like, I'm amazed. Some of the stuff that uh, people do these scam things on Facebook, that'll be like something will be photoshopped or it'll be some phony story. I can tell immediately when it's phony. I'm like, how do you not know that that's, how do you not know that's phony? I mean, I just immediately, my, my spirit is just like, phony. Speaking of Kent, if I ever say something to him that's funny, he goes, <laughs> that's his way of saying, that's, that's country for that's BS. When he does, that means I don't believe that. <laughs> he says, he won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen. Let me show you this same last sentence. In the Amplified Classic, John 16, 13. He will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Now let me tell you a very um, accessible and economical way that um, this will work in your life. Showing you things to come isn't always about these profound events out in the future. Um, there's some things, it, like I know in my own life, I know it doesn't always work, but I remember when my dad was at the end, and we were having a, it was a very difficult place with him, and I remember just walking into the foyer of their house, and I just said, Spirit of God, how, I need to just... Give me a clue. How long is it going to be like this? You know what? 
And very clearly, I heard the voice in me say, uh, it will be before your mom's birthday. And I thought, okay. I mean, I just, I just knew I just knew that I knew that. And it was nearly a month before that. So that I wasn't that surprised. But even on a lesser scale, little, what some people call premonitions. Like I remember, I I was sharing this with somebody the other day. We were standing here talking about this. I remember years ago, I used to go up to this Bible college in Cleveland, Tennessee and teach regularly. I would go up there for a week and do five days of their morning class and five days of their night class. And uh, I had already spoken in their morning class, and one of the leaders of the Bible school took me to lunch. And while we were driving to lunch, somebody sped by us, and he looked at me and he said, always remember when you're driving in Cleveland, Tennessee, people do not know how to drive. Well, that's just something somebody would say. That didn't feel prophetic. He just said that. Well, that night... I was coming back to speak for the night class, and I was running a little bit late. And you know how when you're at the red light and it's going for a really long time, you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on. I I don't want to be late for this. And you're ready. As soon as you see a hint of green, it's the pedal to the metal. You're gunning it. There was no traffic around. I'm just like, I mean, I was close to running the red light, honestly. Like, come on. And... All of a sudden, his face from earlier that day came before me, and I clearly saw him say, always remember when you're driving. I just remembered that he had said that. Why why did I think that? And when I did, I just, it, it turned green, and I didn't gun it, and out of nowhere, this car just speeds through and runs a red light. If I had gunned it like I had planned, there's no way I would have survived it as fast as that car was coming. I, I didn't even see where it came from. And I remember thinking, oh, that was a word of knowledge, a prophetic word of knowledge that saved my life. It was the Holy Spirit showing me things to come. And I didn't even know that's what was about to come just a few seconds later. That's why, you know, I talk a lot about listening to your inner GPS system. I'm really talking about listening to the Holy Spirit. Like, learn to, learn to be uh, sensitive to that. I mean, even to the smallest thing, if, you, if you're driving a certain way that you always go and something in you says, you know, I'm going to go a different way this time. Listen to that. Because the Holy, it's the Holy Spirit showing you things to come that you don't even realize you're experiencing. Okay, so he says, he will declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. And then I want to show you one more. This is in the the voice translation, John 16, 13. It says, he will speak what he hears, revealing to you the things to come. Now, the word revealing means unveil it. So when it says revealing things to come, that implies there are certain things out there in your future that um, are going to happen regardless. Uh, but the curtain will be pulled back and you'll be able to see them. Now, let me give you the other side to this. Um, we went through a pandemic. There was a big dispute about whether people should be vaccinated or not vaccinated. That 
is still going. I'm, I'm amazed at the skepticism. There's a, for some reason, I guess because I've clicked on these things a lot, but there's several um, pages that show up in my feed that are about like pictures of outer space, pictures of close-up pictures of Saturn and Jupiter. I think they're beautiful. I love, I love seeing pictures of the universe. And uh, I was looking at a couple things last night, and I just scrolled down in the comments. I can't believe how many people think the earth is flat still. And just like pictures of a round earth. And you can't believe how many comments of people saying, yeah, don't you see? You know, there's no stars in the sky. I'm like, it's time-lapse photography. Of course it's not going to pick up the stars. I mean, really? Are you that? Like, why would people be making this up? The earth's really flat. Don't tell anybody. No, you're you're an idiot. No, it's not. I mean, <laughs> haven't you ever watched ships go over the horizon and disappear? Do you think they fell off somewhere? This is not 1492. But I can't believe how many skeptical people are like, no, that's, that's how they get you. Get you to believe that there's no way Saturn could look like that. I'm like, yeah, it could with that kind of High-powered telescopic lens, that is what it would look like. And why would, so, what in the world would be the point of somebody trying to fool you to make you think this is a picture of Saturn? It's not like you're, it's not like you're about to go there. I mean, even this morning, I was at people saying, I'm just not going to fall for that. There's no way that could be real. I'm like, why would you not believe that's real? It wouldn't occur to me to say, I look at it and say, oh, what a cool picture how they captured that. It's not, it's not in me because I'm not prone to believe conspiracy theories. It's not in me to think, oh, that picture looks too good. Somebody's trying to pull something over me, over on me. You're trying to make me think that's Saturn, and I know it ain't. My mama didn't raise no fool. I'm like, why the hell would somebody be trying to make you think it's Saturn? What would they have to gain by it? The picture is free. It's not like you have to pay for it. You can just look at it and go, nice picture. No. People are like, you see how many idiots on here don't think that's real? I'm like, no, you're the idiot. <laughs> Sorry. I had to vent there. But, but during the, if, if you don't want to be vaccinated, that's fine. That's your prerogative. Fine. I'm fine with vaccinations. I mean, they said, they, they, apparently COVID's there's making a comeback. I'm like, well, what do we need to get? I'm like, I've, I've had all the boosters, whatever. I'm like, sure, you know, okay, fine. I'm not evangelical for it if you don't want to do it. Here's my point. So many people would say, I just believe, I'm not going to get vaccinated because I believe if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Let me tell you what's wrong with that logic. If that's what you really believe, then you would just walk out on 285 and say, none of these cars can hit me because if it ain't my time to go, it ain't my time to go. That doesn't even make sense. You'd never stop at a red light. I'm going to ride right through because when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. I'm going to jump off this building. It's your time to go. That's, that's crazy. I don't believe that. I don't believe that there's a set date that you're supposed to leave here. For one thing, there's so many scriptures about if you do this, it will extend your life. There's a, so many promises about life extension. So this, uh, where, wherever people get this idea that there's this date locked in, there's nothing you could do about, is insanity. 
If that were the case, you, would, you wouldn't lock your doors at night. You wouldn't wear seatbelts. You wouldn't take any medicine. You would laugh at doctors. You would just be like, la, la, la. It's not my time to go. You find out it's about to be your time to go. <laughs> I predict when that 18-wheeler hits you, I predict you're going. I predict it's your time. <laughs> Have ever seen you before? Yes, sir, I believe when you walk out in front of that truck and it runs over you, I believe it's your time. <laughs> How did I know that? Um, if you don't want to be vaccinated, that's fine. If you're suspicious of vaccinations, whatever. That's your, that's your journey. I'm not trying to change your mind about it. What I am saying is don't assume that there's just this, that you just have this expiration date that's irrevocable. That's not true. Some people, if there is such a thing, some people go ahead of their time. I mean, don't you feel there's some people you think, well, I think you left prematurely. Because they probably did. And that's why I think if you can get a hold of this teaching, I think it's important. Because it will not only affect the quality of your life, it can affect the length of your life. It can affect so many things. Okay? Um, now, let me show you the quote. This is by Abraham Lincoln. He's the one. Several people, if you look up this quote, this is attributed to several people, but initially it's attributed to Abraham Lincoln, who said, the best way to predict your future is to create it. Now, love Mr. Lincoln. Most people, when they, when they take polls, he's America's favorite president. Um, I would like to submit to the jury that he was assassinated. So you think, well, did he know that ahead of time? Oddly, if you read some of the things he said right before it happened, he did sound very sort of resigned to it. Have you ever listened to... Dr. King was killed on April 4th, 1968. Have you ever listened to his mountaintop speech the night before? Uh, he's speaking at a church there in Memphis where he says, longevity has its place. I may, I may get there with you, but if, if, even if I don't, we as a people will see the promised land. It's like, now, in fairness, the man had a lot of death threats on his life. So it's not, it's not that much of a stretch for him to think there could be a bullet with my name on it at any time. Um, but man, that speech, every time I read it, it gives me chills because it's like he totally, it's nearly like when you... Re, watch that speech because I remember it was on my 10th birthday uh, I remember us stopping our party and, and watching him uh, say that it's nearly like the next day when he walks out on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel it's like he just walks into it it's like I told you this was going to happen and it, 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 do you understand what I'm saying it's like he, he was like resigned to it who knows but I also think about things that people say in the few hours before they go. Sometimes they are unusually prophetic. Where you think, wow, I think they kind of knew what was coming. I'm not sure they're that surprised by it. Um, whether Lincoln walked in this all the days of his life or not, the, the truth of it is the truth. 
It's a funny thing about, because I use quotes a lot, and I have to vet the quotes, because sometimes you post a quote by somebody, and then people online want to argue with you about the person. I'm like, I'm not a devotee of this person. I just like what he said. Like, I'm, so, so many times I'll start to quote something and I think, mm, is it worth it? I used to quote Bill Cosby a lot. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> it's still true what he said, but if I post that, that's going to be a whole conversation I'm not interested in having. Um, but I, I love the concept of this. You predict the future by creating it. Um, the next thing I want to show you, is a, this is Ecclesiastes 3.15, and in the Amplified Classic, it has a very interesting way of translating this. Let me show you what Solomon says. Um, that which is now already has been, and that which is to be already has been. And God seeks that which has passed by so that history repeats itself. This, this is a very enigmatic verse to me. I mean, I, I look at it a lot, and I'm not even sure I fully grasp the meaning of it, but I'm very drawn to it. Let me tell you what I do get out of it at this point. There are some things, like, like um, if you know somebody has a drug problem, and you hear they died of a drug overdose. It's not that shocking. Right? Because you, you already knew, had this information about them and you think this, was, this is within the realm of possibility. Um, I was talking to somebody, somebody who I love very much, whose father passed away at 97. And the father... And this person may be watching today. This is no shade on it. It just struck me the way she said it. The father had survived cancer twice and lived to 97. And when he did pass, his daughter said to me, we were shocked. And I'm like, how old did you say? <laughs> I, I mean, I wanted to say, how long did you think? He, I mean, did he? I didn't, I didn't want to be insensitive, but I thought, did he just overcome so many things that you just thought he's never going to go? Because when you typically, oh, y'all don't be weird on me. Typically, if you hear somebody's 97, you hear somebody, my grandma died, how old was she? You know, she's 98. You're, you're not like, what? What happened to her? Oh, my God. I mean, you kind of like, oh, she's 98. Your first thing is, she, well, she lived a good long life, right? I mean, I didn't want to be insensitive, but I was like, really? You're really that surprised? I would be surprised he made it this far having had cancer twice. But I guess you have a different paradigm. Like, wow, you're really going for that full 120 years. Like, go with God, you know, okay. Because it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have struck me to have been surprised. Uh, when people say, you know, we just weren't prepared for it, I'm like, I mean, maybe I've been, I, maybe, you know, having grown up going to prisons and hospitals and convalescent, maybe I'm too realistic about what happens. That may be it. You know, when people are like, I just don't know why I feel so bad. I'm like, what? Well, don't you have cancer? I mean, I'm not, I'm not being mean. I'm just like, well, that does 
You know that comes with, like, no, I guess people don't know what's coming. Um, but this is what I do get out of this. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, the secret to your future is hidden in your daily routine. I mean, uh, Jimmy Buffett died yesterday. And he died, he died of skin cancer. And I'm like, well, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but his whole thing was living on the beach, baking in the sun. It's not that surprising. If you, I can't believe you have a picture. <laughs> Michelle. You have no idea what it's like to have a thought and it appears on a screen. I did not call her ahead of time and say, I'm talking about Jimmy Buffett today. Be prepared. <laughs> he actually, uh, where Donnie and Reba used to live, when I go up right with them, they actually bought their house from him. He, he, they lived, he'd lived in the house before. But anyway, uh, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but that kind of sounds like, and this is somebody, believe me, I've had my, my fair share of being on the beach with no sunblock and laying in tanning beds and all that. Kind of, you know, I, I did all of that stuff that white people do. <laughs> I always had that awkward moment when you, back in the day when I'd, go to, <laughs> when I'd go to a tanning bed and the person waiting on me would be a person of color. And it was just always this odd moment when we'd make eye contact where I'd be like, don't ask. Like, like, don't make me try to explain this. <laughs> We don't understand it either. We just, we just want to be a little darker. We don't know, we don't know why. We're not, try, we're not trying to appropriate your culture. We're just. <laughs> why is that funny, Wellington? Because <laughs> I just always felt when somebody black would take my money for going to the, I always felt there was a judgment. They never said it, but there was something in the eyes be like, y'all are crazy. Like, what? what? <laughs> Believe me, because I've spent a lot of my time in a largely black world, I've, I've heard white people are crazy more times than you can imagine. I used to work out with um, Pastor Lee that has our old building and Sam that used to train um, Eddie Long and... and bunch of us would work out together every day and I'm, I'm of course I'm the only white person in there and they'd be the tv would be on in the gym and something would come on about Obama or about any number of things and the conversations about like everybody would be saying this is what I hate about white people and they'd just be going off on it. I'd say y'all know I'm white could y'all just wait Till I finish this set, go ahead and have this conversation, but this is making me feel really awkward. And they're like, oh, we're not talking about you, we're talking about white people. I'm like, I am white. <laughs> you cannot believe how comfortable black people have been around me talking about how crazy white people are. I'm like, I am white. Oh, not you. I'm talking about white people. Okay. You have no idea how much it's happened. <laughs> but uh, what am I saying, though? What was the oh, about Jimmy Buffett. It's like, well, when you live on the, in the sun a lot, yeah, skin cancer is a, a probability. 
I don't mean that in in sensitive way. I'm like, well, that sounds about right, you know. Um, you know, whatever physical, whatever bad habit you have physically, in a sense, you're predicting your future. I mean, it's true. I mean, believe me, I thought of it yesterday because we, you know, we try, we try to be so good. And we, we ate, uh, we went to our, one of our favorite Mexican places yesterday and we were at um, um, Atlantic Station. I said, do we need anything? And he said, we need some cleaning stuff. I said, let's walk to Publix. So we go to Publix, we come out and he says, I don't care what you say, I'm going down there to get some ice cream. Well, of course I went too. I got it and bought it and ate it. And I, I didn't even say, we're sitting on a beach. I mean, I just had one scoop, but still, you know, I'm like, you know, we've got, this is really, at our age, we should not be eating sugar like this. And I, mm, pistachios. <laughs> of course, I, you know, like, of course I'm going to eat it. It's not like I'm going to stand there and go, no, you have ice cream, but I'm not having it. You know, I've got, of course I'm, of course I'm in. No, don't try to justify it. <laughs> oh, thou spirit of He's always got a justification. Turns into liquid. That doesn't even make sense. It's still sugar. I know, but sugar is really bad for you. <laughs> we, were t- we were talking about it one time how sugar is automatically attracted to cancer cells. If, they, if you have cancer in your body, sugar will go right to it. And we were having the conversation. And he said, well, I'll never get it. I'll never get it. Then I said, I don't think you understood. <laughs> he said, no, you said keeps you from getting cancer. I said, no. I said the opposite. It goes to, <laughs> but again, the point, not that I think we're about to check out. I'm saying if there's something you do on a regular basis, in a sense, you're predicting your future. The reason I decided to get my shoulder fixed, I thought, well, I'm not ready to leave here anytime soon. And if, if this is the way, I, if I'm going to be in pain the whole time, I don't, this, is, this is not making me look forward to, you know, this third act. So I did it as I'm going to, if I thought I was leaving next week, I'd be like, why get it fixed? But I thought, no, I still want to be here and I want to do some stuff. So in my mind, having the surgery is predicting the future. I'm saying I will have a better um, golden years by doing this, Uh, just Griping about it doesn't make it better. When I had to have a, when I finally decided to do it, I'm sure I told you, but I had to have a stress test, and you have to do these two 15-minute things where you're you're like this in a, like a MRI thing, and she said, like before the surgery to do that, there's no way to tell you how painful that was because I had no cartilage on this side, bone on bone, and the tech said. Sir, you're going to have to be still, like you're, you're, you're moving. I said, ma'am, the only, if you knew how bad this hurt, the only way for me to be still, you'd have to just take me out. And then, and then it would render the, <laughs> the stress test irrelevant. <laughs> and as I'm laying there going, oh, Jesus, I thought, you know what, get the thing fixed. I mean, I went the next day to the guy and said, 
What do we need to do? Let's, let's start the ball rolling. Why? Because I'm predicting my future. I would like to have some nice days in my sunset years and whatever I can do to make it a little better. Even the thing with my heart, which I believe is getting better, I, I think this is, I'm glad this thing happened because it's going to improve the quality of my senior years because I didn't know this was an issue, so I'm just like, la, 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 la. Like, no, i got to pay attention to this. So, good. This is, I am preparing for some more years, and some years of quality. You know, that's why I finally, I had to amend this for the sake of my kids. Because for years I said, I'm going to live to be 120. Genesis chapter 6 said, I'm going to give them 120 years. I'm giving 120. And then one day I thought, you know what? Let me amend that and say, as long as I'm healthy and in my right mind. Because I don't want to lock in and my kids, you know, like I'm, in a, I'm slumped over in a wheelchair for 30 years. And they're like, how many more years has he got? Like, he said he's getting 120. Like, shoot. <laughs> like, okay, I got to... I got to find some balance there. Like, I want to live as long as I am healthy and in my right mind. And if, you might not agree with this, but if I get to the point that that's not the possibility, then I'm like, well, let's go to the next dimension then. Because I don't, you know, life continues. I don't want to just, I just, I don't want to just stay for staying's sake. I want to stay because I'm still enjoying it. Is that too real? All right, some of you are like, no, I want to be a burden on my family. I want, <laughs> you know, I took care of them. They're going to take care of me. I don't think that way. Um, so history is repeating itself, and not just on health things, but there's certain bad decisions that you make. I mean, you look at people who just go through series of relationships where the same thing happens over and over again. They get out of an abusive relationship and go right back into another one. I think you're, you're, something in your pattern is predicting your future. Even if you think, even if it's just a sense of unworthiness to where you think this is as good, you know, all you deserve. You've got to, I mean, truly, I believe this concept that we, we get the love that we deserve, that we think we deserve. If you don't think you deserve love and quality relationship, you'll settle for something that will bring a lot of pain in your life. And I'm a big believer in it's better to want something you don't have than have something you don't want. Do you want to be in a relationship? If it's a good one. But just to be in a relationship for relationship's sake. Mm -mm. I got a nice, comfortable leather recliner and a big screen TV and all the channels. I have Uber Eats. <laughs> like, no, I'm I'm in a relationship because this is a good one. If I if if I couldn't if God forbid something happened, I couldn't improve on that. I'd be like, been there, done that. It was wonderful. I'm not going to try to duplicate that because I mean I had somebody that raised the bar really high, and unless you can unless you can convince me, it could be. Nearly that good. I'm just gonna. I'm just scrolling on Uber Eats right now. Like I'm, you know. Oh, am I being too real today? But do y'all hear me? And I think that's 
You know, when people say, oh, I just cannot be alone, don't put that out there. Because you're sending out a vibration that's going to bring all kinds of stuff. You can't, like when people say, I just want a job, any kind of job, don't say that. Prostitution's a job. If you say, I don't care what it is, I'll do it to make money, you might rethink that. <laughs> you want me to do what? Well, you said anything for money. Well, I didn't mean that. Well, then be a little more specific. <laughs> you say, I would like a job that does not involve prostitution. Right, at least start winnowing it down, being a little more specific. Um, all right, what is number, <laughs> this uh, Werner Erhard says this, uh, create your future from your future, not your past. That's, that'll preach. Because if you have this idea that you're stuck, in, like this is how I deal with things, um, don't think Jared or Mike Jared's been an open book but he just got back from a month in Paraguay and it was they had tours there I was asking him I said how was it with your we had dinner Wednesday night I said how was it with your band he said actually it's, it was good he said I've kind of found a place where I can be around them because I know they drink and they've, they've got their issues and he said I just know at a certain point it's time for me to go and go on to bed I said well whether you have addiction problems or not, there's n not much good happens after 2 a.m. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, uh, like all the shootings in Atlanta, it's like it always says, somewhere around 1.30, 2 a.m., I'm like, everybody just needs to go home and go to bed. That's the problem. Y'all staying up too late, and you're too drunk, and you're out in the... When people say, are you afraid to live in the city? Like, no, because I'm not out walking around at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, trying something going down with somebody. I mean, nobody's shooting at me. I mean, if God forbid, I've forgotten if I go to Walgreens at 1230, I'm like, plead the blood of Jesus, I got to go. But, but I'm also not hanging out on the sidewalk going, what's good? What's going on? You know, I'm just standing here with a lot of money in my pocket. And, you know, I just want everybody, you know, just don't be stupid. And when he said, like, I'm not, you don't mind me saying that. Like he said, I'm not judging them. It's like, that's their journey. But I also know at a certain point, like, I know where this evening's going to go. Y'all do your thing. I'm going to go to bed. And I said, that's so wonderful. Because I'm sure it takes a while to figure out how to do that. Because how do you, you know, you can't not be around people, you know, who are drinking and whatever. So you've got to figure out how am I going to manage that. And you can only do it by experience. Uh, after you've been around it for a while, you realize, oh, I have the ability to watch other people partake, and I'm not, I'm not judging them. I'm not better than them. I'm just not doing what they do, and it's fine. Because you know what? If you judge them too much, the law of judgment is weird. The law of judgment will make you do stuff that you never thought you would do. I don't know how it works, but when you judge other people, it does something weird in the atmosphere and you end up doing the thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You end up doing the thing that you're judging other people for. That's why you just need to say, everybody's got to find their journey. Y'all live and let live. Y'all don't owe me an explanation for your life. Uh, that's why, I don't know if 
you heard what I said about the young man that I met on the street the other night that I'm trying to figure out how to, because I want him to come here and play his trumpet, and I'm sure you will be very uh, uh, kind to him. He's a real sweet guy. And the first couple of questions I said, are you, where are you sleeping at night? And he just looked down. I said, you know what? I'm crossing the line. I shouldn't have. That's none of my business. I said, let's, let's back up. I'm, I just want to talk to you about your trumpet playing because I've, I've, no, I've heard you playing several times, and, and I want to tell you about this ministry I have. And, um, but I also told him, because later on in the conversation, you know, it was pretty obvious that he's in a bad place. And I said, look, I'm giving you this, because I gave him money, and I said, he didn't ask for it. I wanted to do it. I said, I'm giving you this to help. I can't, I can't fix your life. I can't even bring you up to my, I don't, I don't know you. I can't bring you into my house. Uh, but. I can give you this money. You can get something to eat tonight. Probably get a place to stay for the next couple of nights with it. I said, but just so you know, I'm not judging you. I said, you're, if, if I, whatever brought you here, if I had had those same experiences, I could be right here with you. I can't even imagine what it's like. I said, so you need to know, I'm not, I'm not thinking of you as a charity. You caught my attention because I can tell you, you play well on the trumpet and I'm just, Frankly, interested, even though it's none of my business, you should, I mean, you should be able to make a living with, your, I mean, you can play, you know. And sometimes people are in a, uh, they're in a bad place. And I said, you don't owe me any explanation. I said, if you, if it's substance, I said, I've got a son in recovery. I said, I'm, I completely understand that. Um, and I, th- and, but I also know, you know, life is real. And, um, judgment oh, it just does something weird to your mind. You know, like, <laughs> y'all remember, I don't know if any of y'all remember this ever happened to you, but remember before you had children and you were around people with children and you said, I tell you one thing, when I have kids, my kids will never do that. And then your kids came along and you were like, oh, snap, I should have. Parenting was not as easy as I thought. You ever see somebody's marriage break up and you think, well, they just didn't try hard enough and then your spouse files for divorce. You're like, oh, snap. I didn't see that coming. Like, that's why somebody does something and they pay a price for it. I'm like, there but for the grace of God go I. That's why I'm I'm not the best counselor in the world. I'm too empathetic to be a counselor. Because you tell me what you did, and I'm like, you know, I could could see how that could happen. And that's not what I'm supposed to say. I'm supposed to hold you to a higher standard, but I'm so empathetic. I'm like, I get it. I mean, hearing your story, I understand. Like, oh, I forgot. I'm supposed to to say, you should know. (laughs) But I just... I'm too touched with the feelings of people's infirmities. And then when I see them pay the price for it, I'm like, I mean, even, and just please hear this with a clear mind. I think, I think um, nobody is surprised to know where I'm at politically. Uh, and I try to be sensitive to people in my ministry who are not there. I really try not to, uh, but even, uh, Last week, watching a previous president of the United States who 
I'm not a fan of watching a motorcade go over to Rice Street where I've been a thousand times to minister to people. And Rice Street is hell. It's, it's, like, it's like the the portal to hell it's 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 a dark place and i totally uh do not believe anybody's above the law i totally think he should be disqualified for running again uh and yet when i saw that motorcade it was very sobering i wasn't like i i I wasn't like online going ha 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 serves him right i was just like wow that's do you understand what I'm saying? It's like I wasn't gloating over it. I was like, that's deep. I mean, in one sense, I was thinking, man, the system works. I mean, this, you know, this DA in Georgia brings this case, and a, an ex-president of the United States has to, you know, deal with it. It's like, wow. But it also makes me, I was just, I watched every minute of it, but I was very quiet about it. I was like, wow, that's deep. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not like I was like, ha, ah, ha, Like some of the stuff that people, even people I love were posting, I was like, mm. I mean, I felt that way when um, they finally killed Osama bin Laden. Of course they should have taken him out. Of course. I hated, but I also didn't want to be in the streets dancing. It just felt, it felt inappropriate. I thought if I dance, and I had people in my own family who just tore me up over it. Like, you, you don't, you know, you're so liberal and, you know, 3,000 people died on 9-11. I said, I'm not saying he shouldn't be taken out. I'm saying I don't want to be dancing in the street because I feel like if I do that, then I'm like somebody from his country doing the same thing. I'm just like, well, thank God he's no longer a menace. And, you know, just, I don't know. I mean, I've heard, I know people who went to the execution, watched the execution of someone that killed a family member who have said to me, it didn't bring peace. I mean, I watched it, but it was like it didn't bring my loved one back. And I was like, well, I guess, I guess they got what they deserve, but it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't fill the hole. And I understand that. I went too deep, didn't I? I went from prostitution down here, and y'all were like, it was, I wasn't ready. It was too, big, it was too much of a transition, Bishop. You got to give me a little more warning. <laughs> My my sermons are like the the scream machine at Six Flags. Like whoa, like whoa, whoa. Like, oh, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. Oh. <laughs> when I really get anointed, you hear click, 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 click. Like oh, this is gonna be this is gonna make me throw up, but it's gonna be good. <laughs> Y'all know it's true. Um, and then finally, I already referred to the story, but let me read. Let me show you again. This is uh, Isaiah 38, verses 1 through 5 in the New King James Version. He says, uh, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. That's, that's a powerful statement. One that I don't really say anymore. In my early days, I was, you know, thus says the Lord, this and that. Now I'm like, mm, I'm more inclined to say, this is strong in my spirit. I've been thinking about this all day. I'm, I keep hearing these words. But when you add a thus says the Lord on it, like, oh, man, you better be accurate. Um, 
uh, thus says the Lord, because I know I've had people who have quoted me, and not even in a bad way, but I'll read what they wrote online that I said. I'm like, that's really not what I said, but okay. And I know, you know, I'm like, don't misquote me. And I sure don't want to, whoever and whatever God is, I sure don't want to misquote him or it. I don't want to stand before a God one day and say, you know, all those years you said I said that, I didn't say that. I'm like, I didn't say you said it. I said it was real strong in my spirit. <laughs> Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. I mean, that, <laughs> that's cold. <laughs> when a prophet shows up and says, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, you shall die and not live. Like, ow, wow, that's harsh. Um, then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly, and the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, surely I will add to you 15 years. And if you read it, he goes on to say, I'll even deliver this city, whatever. Now, if your ego is very connected to always being right, and you've already said, Thus says the Lord, you're dying, a lot of people won't... Um, retract it they'll be like no i said that was the word of the lord i'm taking it back that's why if you're going to be prophetic you also have there has to be a dimension of a balance between faith and humility that's why i don't have any problem saying and i and it's a disclaimer like if you buy if, you know my if, if i do have such a thing as a bestseller it's still a year in the now and it's great, I'm proud of it, but there's all kind of passages in there that don't sound like what I would say now. So I don't, I don't not sell the book, I just think, well, that's the, way I, that's the way I talked in 2001, and this is 2023, and most of it is still applicable, and if it's where you are, then great. Lord knows I've got plenty still in in uh, stock so I ain't trying to I ain't trying for anybody not to buy it what I am saying is uh, I don't have any problem saying yeah I've evolved some since then uh, no, but some people won't do it some people are like no I've already I've already put that out there that that's that's my brand I'm not ever going to improve on it I think that's ridiculous even Jesus said you have heard it said but I say and he's saying that about what we would call the Bible. It would be like him saying, I know the Bible says this, but I'm saying this. The word of the Lord is a now word. My point in bringing this up as I close is even if Isaiah the prophet comes to you and declares thus says the Lord, it does not mean it's written in stone. I think when Moses came down from the mount and he drops the tablets and breaks them I think that was very prophetic because it was saying in effect these the word of the Lord can't be put in stone of course any of us that if you ever watched 
Mel Brooks' History of the World. You know, Moses originally has 15. He comes down with three tablets. Behold, the Lord has given you these 15. It breaks. These 10 commandments. Um, And even, you know, in the first part of the book of Isaiah, you know what he says? Come, let us reason together. Uh, In chapter 28, he says, put me in remembrance. Remind me of your merits. Prove, Prove yourself to be in the right. This is my problem with fundamentalists. Fundamentalists look at what they believe is the word of God and say, the Bible says this. Boom, that's the end of argument. I don't think so. I, th- I look at it and I say, Paul, you were so right about so many things. There's some things I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to take relationship advice from Paul. From P- Paul who said, because, you know, Paul said a couple things about what could be interpreted as LGBT people that could be very problematic. I'm like, hold on there. Paul also said the only reason to get married is so that you, do, so that you can have sex. He says, it's better to marry than to burn. He said, it would be better that you be like me and be celibate. If you just can't hold it, then get married, you perv, so you can so you have sex. I'm like, really, Paul, that's not really romantic. I mean, have you ever heard of love and commitment and, you know, want to have kids with somebody? No, it's better to marry than burn. I always remember that when I read Paul's advice. When Paul says, you know, You'll be turned over to a reprobate mind. I'm like, Paul, settle down. Just, <laughs> I've, I've heard you. You're also the one who said, I do not allow women to preach in the church. I tell women to shut up. I've shut down more than one prophetess in the early days of my coming out. Anytime I'd see prophetess so-and-so has a message, I'm like, ah, here it comes. And they'd be saying, sending me Romans 1 and, Galatians, and I'd say, look, if, we're, if Paul's our point of reference, why are you even talking to me? Because if, if, if Paul's our guy, Paul said, you're supposed to keep silence in the church. You're not allowed to usurp authority over men. How dare you uh, approach me? Since we're going Paul. If we're going to go Paul, let's go Pauline, baby. Bring on the Paul. If Paul's your dude, you need to shut that down because I'm a man and you don't talk to me like that. How old are you? 35. I've been preaching longer than you've been alive. Paul said rebuke not an elder. Shut up. (laughs) I don't do it now. Now I just block him. I go, oh, sad little prophetess. (laughs) You're not a prophetess. (laughs) Actually, that hasn't happened in years now. But, you know, if you're going to, if those are your rules, I mean, every game has rules to it so if our rule is to quote pauline epistles then bring it on baby i'm all i know i know my way around some pauline epistles where you want to go what you want me to quote romans what you want some romans i got some romans for you galatians ephesians philippians colossians bring it on baby this is my jam i don't know how to fix your car but i can talk about (laughs) some pauline epistles if you want to go Paul on me, I got you all day long. Bring it. Because I know the next thing you're going to say, ah, there it is. How did you know that? Because you're the fifth 
thousandth person that has cut and pasted this to me. It's amazing to me how people don't care a bit about the Bible until somebody does something they don't like, they don't approve of, and then suddenly they're biblical scholars. I'm like, when, when did the Bible become so important to you? So, to wrap this up, we're going to learn this month about predicting our future. Um, this is how it works. You put out there what you want to happen. You also detach from all of the, how, how is it going to happen? Do you know what I mean? You prophesy your future, but you're also flexible about how it's going to manifest. Because if you get too rigid about it has to be this way, you're, you're, you're going to miss the God who does more than you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. So, on that uh, note, let's all stand. Did you get anything out of this? Do you understand what I'm saying? Forth-telling has its place. Even this guy that I talked to on the street, I said, wherever you are in your journey right now, I said, if you know anything about Job, Job, it says his latter was greater than his former. And I said, you will come through this. And, I mean, I prophesied to him. And he got emotional. and uh, That, to me, is foretelling the future. I didn't tell him how it's going to happen. I didn't say, call this person and they'll give you a job. I just said, you will get through this. And sometimes that's the only thing you have to hold on to. It's like, well, this person said to me, it's going to get better. So I believe it's going to get better. Okay? Uh, let's play the outro, and then I'll speak a blessing over you, and I'll let you go. Contributing to Metron is quick and easy. Easy peasy. You can give anytime using any smartphone. Anytime. Text the amount you'd like to donate to 404-620-5044. And then you double it. You will receive a notification that you successfully completed your donation. You may also visit missionthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have a check, make it to JESM. Give it to Colonel Rogers. He'll keep it. If you have cash, just pay it forward. You might want to bless somebody. And um, uh, I'm going to predict your future. You're going to have a wonderful afternoon. You're going to have a good night's sleep. You're going to have a productive week this week. Good things are going to happen to you. Uh, and you're going to wake up tomorrow saying, this is the day the Lord has enabled me to make. I will rejoice and be glad. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Peace.